Welcome back to the Far Post Perth podcast. My name is Neil Sherwin, and after a, a bit of a longer Christmas break than we expected, I'm delighted to be joined by Blaine Tregold and Donna Jeffrey to discuss Perth Glory and, uh, and the A-League. We're kind of nicely positioned at the moment in the sense that it's an off week for Perth Glory with the split round, so we can take stock of the, of the latter and uh, maybe put a bit of perspective on on what we're looking for in the next eight games to close out the campaign. Um, so I guess we'll crack straight into the league table because there's been games this weekend and it, what it means, uh, the long and the short of it, is Perk Glory are currently in eighth position on the ladder with 19 points from 19 games. Following Western Sydney's win over Wellington Phoenix in their catch-up game, it means Glory are six points outside the six. Blaine, we've we've come through a rough patch. Uh, there was a lot of losses on on the bounce. Um, they looked like they might be maybe able to turn around with a win, but it went back to normal against Adelaide last week, and uh, and here we are, six points, eight games to go. Given the form recently and the the fixtures coming up, there are a lot of home games in there. Do you think it's a realistic shot for Glory to make it into the six? Yeah, it's uh. Um, it's going to start getting uh, more and more difficult as the weeks go on, isn't it? Um, it was um, it was almost looking a little bit kind of promising there with the Western Sydney game. The, I remember kind of uh, sitting in the sitting in the uh, bar actually. We were just near the Western stand there and and having a chat to a couple of mates of mine. And the, the first few minutes, we couldn't believe what we were what we were seeing. It was a whole different kind of side, both on the pitch, obviously with the inclusion of Neil Kilkenny and Julbich. But they just seemed to have a whole different attitude coming into that match, and then you know, of course, we went to we went to Adelaide a week later, and although we start off um, quite well with a with a quick goal, um, it seemed to just fall away towards the end, and um, just yeah, little games like that, um, yeah, they're not going to see us in the six whatsoever. So yeah, that no, was uh, an interesting run of uh, the last couple of weeks. Donna, considering the, uh, the the fan opposition to the current regime in the sense that there's been a lot of calls for Kenny Lowe to go based on results, uh, they've lost 12 games from those 19 so far. Do you think that uh, a final spot would merely paper over cracks and it, it's in the long term it may be beneficial for, for Glory not to make the finals given they, there's a good chance they wouldn't be very competitive if they were in there? Yeah, I think that if they did make the finals... Um it would say that Kenny Lowe may or may not have a well, probably have a job next season. That's what people would be saying. But I do agree. If they make finals and play the brand of football, you know they're very up and down, aren't they? So against the Wanderers, I go with Blaine. I was watching it, and you saw Dino come in and kill Kenny, and you're like, okay, this looks like a different, different kind of squad. They were a bit more cohesive. But then you watch the Adelaide game, quick goal, but then everything kind of fell apart. You would think that, yeah, I agree. 
don't make finals, that way you can start fresh and rebuild. I think someone gave me a stat, don't hold me to it, but 66% of, well, there's 80% of the players out of contract in the A-League and 66% of them are from Perth Glory. So it may be a good time to say, see you later, coach, and bring in fresh blood that doesn't know the squad very well and just gets in new players as well. So, Blaine, we, we did see, as you said, a couple, a couple of players um, come in, and Jolbich and Kilkenny. Uh, they're a horrible choice of squad numbers aside. Um, are you happy to see these guys come in? Um, it, it really, to me, is a last desperate attempt to make the finals and to, as I mentioned already, paper over a few cracks by being able to point to that as a positive come the season's end. But are you happy with that situation at, at the expense of maybe a couple of young players who could have used the last 10 rounds of the season for experience? Yeah, I think Neil Kilkenny is one that I think most A-League fans will have them in their side, if, I, if I'm truly honest. He's a great footballer and he really um, added to that kind of midfield steel that we, we have been missing. Um, obviously, Torres was was kind of brought in to play that role after uh, Royston Griffiths moved on, but Torres just simply hasn't been playing that role. So it was good to get Neil Kilkenny in. Um, the squad number's interesting, isn't it? I heard a bit of a story about that, that um, uh, Neil Kilkenny actually wanted the number eight, but Torres had it, so he uh, chose to have uh, 88. So make of that what you will. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's... Is it papering over cracks? It's interesting to see that Neil Kilkenny is only going to be there for the next, um, I think, six months, well, until the until the um, end of the season kind of style. And yet we've signed on Dino Julbich for uh, a year, a year and a bit, kind of uh, kind of thing, uh, until the end of 2019. I understand. So it's yeah, it's it's an interesting kind of uh, couple of acquisitions, and, and the contracts that go along are, are also a little bit kind of almost bemusing. Well, I think the question has to be asked, and I don't think it has been uh, sufficiently regarding the Jilbich re-signing. How can you release a player last year, deem him surplus to requirements, even though he, for by all accounts, wanted to stay, and then bring him in mid-season, and not just until the end of the season, but for 18 months? Uh, it, it beggars belief you either rate the player or you don't. It's the ultimate backpedal here. It's a case of, oh, God, really sorry that we got it wrong. How about we sign you till the end of the season? And not only that, we made such a balls of it, we're going to give you an extra year on top of it. Uh, yeah. I totally agree. I said that as well. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. It's, um, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a truly interesting call, isn't it? Because I thought we were when we did kind of ask Dino to move on, uh, we, we were looking to... Um, get a bit more of a youthful kind of, um, you know, back pairing, um, centre-half pairing. So it's, yeah, it is a, it does leave uh, leave you scratching your head in many, many ways. And I've, I've not offence to Dino himself, and he's been a great player over the years, but I, I did start to think that he's just starting to get a bit that um, that half a yard too slow, and, and that's when you start to get into the danger territory about giving away silly penalties and silly fouls in, in dangerous positions and ultimately conceding goals. So. And silly on goals. There is that too. And silly on goals, correct. Yeah, it's a cracking head of that. Cracking head of that was. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a bullet. But, okay, so... We're, we're a little bit bemused by that signing. Um, the Kilkenny thing, a six-month stopgap or whatever it is, few-month stopgap, all well and good. He's a very good player, but it, it just smacks to me of short-termism and desperation to try and get this coveted sixth-place finish. I mean, we want, we're basically aspiring to finish 
top of the bottom, which is what sixth is. So that's that's essentially what we're hoping for after all the talk and everything else. That's what, that's what it's boiling down to, which is very anticlimactic. Um, okay, the, the games themselves, I mean, yeah, we lost to Adelaide, went down with a bit of a whimper in that game. Um, the home game against Western Sydney Wanderers was a 3-1 win, but Wanderers were down to 10 men after a couple of minutes, and the glory, the goals were fantastic. Castro's um, free kick, obviously, and Andy Kyo's finish was, was beautiful. Uh, the second half, I shouldn't have bothered watching. It was truly awful. Wanderers had no interest in playing football, and Glory were quite happy just to take three points without adding to the score. So it was a completely, complete non-affair. And we go all the way back to the disappointment of the 3-2 defeat at uh, Brisbane Roar, the disappointment of the 3-2 defeat at Melbourne Victory, the disappointment of the 2-0 defeat at home to Melbourne City, and the disappointment of the 3-0 home defeat to Adelaide United on Friday, the 5th of January. That's a lot of defeats in a, in this in a short space of time, Blaine. It's been quite challenging for everybody involved, and I'm sure it has been for the coaching staff and the players. Nobody's nobody goes out to lose games, um, but we we throw it back to where we were at the start of the season, talking about what we wanted and that we wanted a top four finish. The uh, the four place team, Adelaide United, are nine points ahead of Glory with the eight rounds to go. Melbourne City are way out of sight on 33 points. I think uh, I, th- I think. We're all going to be left a little bit disappointed come season's end yet again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's been one of those years that really, really promised to um, to, to to be a be a, a year that we could possibly tilt for the four. I mean, I, I even had it on paper possibly having a crack to the two, um, which which I've been very, very wrong with um, in in many different aspects. Um, but yeah, it is another disappointing season, and, and you are right in saying you know. Um, you, that's the league, though, isn't it? Rewarding mediocrity for finishing six, trying to get into that final space, and then, and then, you know, whether people um, in the in the high end of the football club thinks it's a, it's going to be a, um, a a successful season, and certainly not the way that the fans are looking at things. Um, there's, it's been going on for too long now, in, in many people's opinions, that we 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 strive to um, kind of. Just, just get over the line in many, many aspects. Uh, it was interesting to see here the um, the difference when Anthony Di Pietro from um, Melbourne Victory was um, at a uh, con- speaking at a conference, a Melbourne Victory conference last week, I think it was, and he actually addressed the crowd and said, "Look, we're sitting in fourth place as a as Melbourne Victory Football Club. That's not good enough." Uh, and uh, there is a difference between the aspirations between. You know, obviously the example of Melbourne Victory, but you know, to a, the com- comparison with the um, the attitude at Perth Glory, um, and I think it, it needs to start changing up, um, or, or you're just not gonna you're not gonna be uh, having uh, bums on seats, um, you know, in, in terms of the fans rocking up and having full commitments to the club. No, well, Dono, next week uh, Glory do have a game. Uh, as we mentioned, this this week they're off because of the split round. Uh, the game was supposed to be this week. It was the away to Wellington Phoenix fixture, which is now going to take place on Saturday. Uh, the Knicks have been pretty horrible lately. Lost 4-0 to uh, the Wanderers um, this week and are rooted to the bottom of the ladder. If Glory are to set themselves up for a run of home games, they really need a win in this one. But do you see them being able to head over there and pick up three points? Look, uh, you don't know what it is. Like, for instance, with ours, we just played um, Brisbane, and you can tell... 
that in a little in this league, other than maybe Sydney FC and the Jets, anyone can take points from anyone. So I would not be surprised if Wellington do beat Glory, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they beat them away. So it really is anyone's game at this stage. They really do need the three points. There's no doubt about it. I don't think Wellington have much to play for anymore, um, whereas Glory do. So. You know, three points is vital. A point, I think, would be a disappointment. And considering Wellington just got smashed by Western Sydney, um, I think the glory are a better side than Western Sydney, and I think they could take um, take the three points home with them. Okay, let's move on to uh, something else that's glory-related, and that is the very exciting, super-hyped... Uh, off-season friendly, which is going to be per glory against Chelsea at the new Optus Stadium. There's been a lot of talk about the game over the last week. The tickets go on sale this coming week uh, with uh, members up first and then it goes to people who may live close to the stadium. Then it goes to pre-sale for people who don't necessarily live close to the stadium but are part of a council. And then there's also offers through various corporates and everything else until eventually they get released to the public. So there might be a handful left. Um, we've had a we've had a lot of interaction on our Facebook page. It's been great. Uh, lots of opinions coming right, left, and centre from people um, sticking sticking their two cents in. And most of the opinion seems to be centering around the cost of the tickets. And uh, well, just to run through them, the, the there's five categories. Uh, for category E, which is the lowest, um, you'll need to bring your binoculars and probably a tissue to stem your nosebleed. They're 49.83. I'm not sure if that includes the extortionate booking fee that Ticketmaster charge. I would doubt it. Uh, then D is $100. C is $121. B is $161. And A is $202. Now, that's a hell of a lot of money. I know that uh, it's a big deal to, uh, to get a team like Chelsea here and they don't come cheap and there's a lot of cost involved. However, I would have thought that maybe, given it's the first game here, that the state government could subsidise it a little bit more um, and to get bums on seats because I, I'm not convinced that it, that it's going to sell out. Um, certainly not to the extent that some club officials are and people around the game. We're talking a Monday night in Perth, as July the 23rd is. We're also going to be a week to ten days removed from the World Cup final. Players generally are given three weeks holidays after they play for their countries in a ma- country in a major tournament. So even if we're not talking the World Cup finalists here, that st- would still impact the group stages. We're not going to see a full-strength uh, Chelsea team. As I'll po- I pointed out on Twitter the other day, the Spurs side that came two years ago w- when it was a European Championship and Copa America year was devoid of a whole team of stars, the likes of Harry Kane, Kyle Walker, Alderweireld... Lloris, all the way through the team there was big names missing and I can see the exact same happening here with Hazard and the likes now Blaine are you going to go and do you think it represents value for money with those sort of factors included or is it simply a case of and this is this is probably what it's going to boil down to for me, we have to go along as football fans because if we don't and the game doesn't sell out we won't get these games again yeah I'm definitely in the latter I think it's a great opportunity um, for Perth Glory and even and what have you, and it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, opportunity to put um, put the club uh, well Perth Glory on show to people that may not necessarily get into the A League or into the Glory and, and and what have you. So in that kind of rep- uh, in that kind of respect, then it's uh, I think it's a good thing. Um, I actually wrote a bit of a thing on Twitter and I said I really hope that 
all um, all the boxes are ticked by Perth Glory in doing everything that they possibly can for these games to leave um, a, a bit of a legacy, if for lack of a better word, and and really try and get the Perth Glory back into the limelight um, in, in a certain way, shape and form. Uh, coming down to the cost, um, yeah, I, I do agree that it is a, a little bit. Um, a little bit pricey, um, but I'm definitely in the latter. What you said that um, I think it's important that football fans do get out and support these support these events. Um, and I think uh, the league and the uh, the promoter and the stadium also have a right to fans that, to make sure that these events are, are put on in the right footballing manner, um, as to accommodate football fans compared to any other sport. Uh, just a bit of a side note, um, we've since heard about active uh, fan tickets. They're actually going for $49 too, and the, the GFU guys have actually put out a, a thing saying that they want football fans in the active section rather than just bandwagoners in there that aren't going to add to the atmosphere. So there's a little bit of proactivity happening around the place, which is good to hear. You guys have made me feel bad because I have no interest in going. Why not? You're not a true football fan. Why not? Yeah, thank you. You guys make me feel terrible. Look, I, I don't know. I just, I guess because I don't support either team and I've just got no, I don't know, I've just got zero interest. And it, when they first mentioned it, I, I had a discussion with a few friends, and including my husband. He's like, well, I'm going because Perth Glory and Chelsea. And then I thought about it and I'm just like, do I really want to watch the B team of Chelsea come here and probably smash Perth Glory? Mm, not really. Well, we don't even know who we don't even know who's going to be around for Glory with the amount of players that are off contract. It might it might not have a, a yeah. squad. It'll be Glory MPL against Chelsea's C team. So paying a lot of money for. Yeah, I mean, look, a couple of three years ago, three years ago, I flew to Melbourne for the um, International Champions Cup to watch Manchester City and Real Madrid. Being a City fan, and I got to see. Pretty much everybody except those who were on Cup America duty because there was a Cup America in 2015 as well. Um, so missed out on Aguero, Zabaleta, one or two others. But you had Ronaldo, you had you know the the, the that kind of caliber of player was involved, and and the equivalent of that oh, would be fun. would be Eden Hazard. And you know that Eden Hazard, I'd love to see him running around the pitch in Perth. It'd be fantastic and strolling down Murray Street in the off day and getting mobbed by kids and the whole lot. But the reality is, I don't think he's going to be here, and that's that to me is is a big problem and a big factor that has to be considered when you're looking at the prices and the uh, the the experience. Like I, I I'm all for the the open training sessions that they're looking to organise. I think they're brilliant as well, and kids can get their shirts signed, and that's great. But you really want to go get your shirt signed by a lot of lads that are going to be on loan to Vitesse Arnhem next season and never see a Chelsea shirt again. I don't know. It's so, it's it's a tough sell. How much did you pay for that? Uh, the the match ticket. Yeah. Uh, I think it was about 150 for category yeah. B, B or C, B. Yeah. Silver. I got yeah, silver tickets. Paid. Yeah. We paid for Melbourne Victory versus Liverpool. Mind you, it was a full strength squad for Liverpool the year before the World Cup, though. Um, we paid 189 at the MCG. Granted, but that was all about four rows from the front and that was, was great but then again you know it was a full strength Liverpool squad you had Gerrard Skirtle out there Sterling Suarez came on you know you had all these big names and it just enticed people to go 
Yeah. So I, we're not we're not too far out of the ballpark besides not having your, your big players on the pitch. No. Don't get me yeah, but don't don't get me wrong. I thought that was a rip off as well. But I'm a mug and I paid it because it was my team and I wanted to see them play. And I think there will be a bit of a factor of that that I know I know I've a mate who's going to bring his whole family and he'll fork out. He's like, well, he just shrugged his shoulders at the cost and said, well, that's I want to see Chelsea. I have to pay it. And I think that they, the organisers prey on people who are willing to do that because they know that there's such a big following for Premier League here that they could charge probably they could charge $250, $300 a ticket and I reckon people would still pay for it. The issue I think you have is turning off people who are potentially football fans that are just interested in the spectacle um, because we, we need it to be a sellout. But again, it's it's a lot of money to pay if you know that those su- superstars aren't going to be here. Like I, I if, if it was City and Madrid this year in Melbourne, I wouldn't go because I know I would lose all the players to the World Cup. I went in 2015 because there was no, there was only one major tournament that impacted South American players, which is feck all in the grand scheme of things. A year later was the Euros, and as I mentioned, Spurs lost half their squad because of it. So I think that that would be a massive factor in my, my decision making if, if I was going to travel interstate. And there has been a big push from the government about interstate travellers. If you're in Melbourne and you know that you're 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 going you're, these players are not, are you going to pay? Let's look at the price of the flights to come to Perth and back, or, or the other way. It's you can't get to Melbourne return for four or five hundred dollars, really. Then you're going to pay hotel prices, beer money, match ticket, all to see. As I said, guys who will be on out on loan next season if the big names don't come. I just think it's a it's a lot to expect for this to sell out, and I wouldn't be surprised if the demand is a lot lower than. The mainstream media anticipate with the way they've been drumming it up, but I, I I hope I'm proven wrong because, as I said, my ultimate goal is for this to be a success so that we get more teams in the future and we get them in non-World Cup years where you do get the stars running around off the stadium. But we'll have to wait and see. Well, you're going to go, Blaine, are you? Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely go. Yeah, I'll be I'll be in the cheap seats. So I'll probably get the. Um up with the uh, active boys having a beer, right, not cl- nice and close to the bar at the, with my binoculars there. But uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely be there. Make yeah. sure you make sure you bring a packed lunch. I haven't seen some of the photos of the uh, the food that's been going around the the new stadium. Uh, it doesn't look particularly gourmet considering what we were told, but uh, especially for the price you pay. So maybe chuck a few sandwiches in the bag and take them with you. And obviously you'll enjoy the mid strength beer on offering as well. Um, but look. All cynicism aside, I do hope it's a success, and I, the, the chances are I will probably be there as well. Donna won't be. She's nailed her colours to the mast very early on this one, so it's a, it's a no-go. Do uh, apologise. Yeah. My, my, my husband will be there. My husband will be there. He's definitely going. He's a true football <laughs> fan, not like you. Yes, he's no, he's a true blue <laughs> football fan. <laughs> All right, so that's that's that game. As I said, tickets go on sale this week. You can head to the various Facebook pages, whether it's us, whether it's Glory, whether it's any other um, up the stadium that are that are peddling the details. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed, it, it's it's a roaring success. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break there, and we'll come back in the uh, second part with a little bit more focus on the um, on the rest of the A League and uh, and that kind of thing. So we'll speak to you in just a second. You're listening to The Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Far Post Perth podcast. In the second 
Second half of the show, we're just going to look at some of the other football goings on in Australia, namely the A League, and uh, yeah, there's there's the W League as well, Blaine, which oof, it was a bit of an anticlimax as far as glory are concerned. The best player in the world, uh, male or female, wasn't able to prevent them from finishing sixth out of nine teams. Missed out in the finals because only the top four go into that. Four wins from 12 games, minus two of a goal difference. It's a bit disappointing, all things considered. Yeah, there was high hopes for the um, for the women's team to, to do big things this year, and they had a cracking start to the season when they uh, they knocked off the favourites in Melbourne City, who uh, who also... Well, they just scraped into the finals, actually. Um, so, yeah, no, it seemed to. They started off and went through the season. They're just opening kind of uh, half the season quite well. Um, and then, uh, geez, I don't know what happened, but they, they fell away those last few games. And I managed to get out to Dorian Gardens a couple of times and see them. Um, and they were outdone by both Brisbane Roar and Sydney uh, quite comprehensively on both the uh, times that I went out there. I think even Western Sydney might have beaten them at home as well. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, um, it was quite a disappointing uh, finish for the for the season. And um, just sort of a bit of a side note, you wonder if, um, if uh, Sam Kerr, as good as she is and getting all these awards, if it, if it is a little bit of a distraction for either her or for, um, for the rest of the team um, in her taking off here, there and everywhere to, to collect these awards... Um, as I said, nothing against her winning awards. It's fantastic, and she's done. She's been an absolute phenomenon. But you just wonder how much, um, how much, um, yeah, attention, and that it takes away from from concentrating on getting results for the team. Donna, how have you assessed the season? Uh, as as Blaine mentioned, it started really well, but just the, the results just fizzled away, and there's a lot of disappointing uh, outcomes towards the end so they, they obviously the rebuild now the, play, the rest a lot of the players will head off overseas and play in the US and, and elsewhere and the club itself just has yeah. to reassess what they where they go from here and for next season yeah you know considering what happened you know with last season how well they did and then this season they started off really well and there was huge hype and I somewhat agree with Blaine is all that hype and catching a plane here and catching a plane there and this award and that great, you know, in honour of last year she's put WF football back on you know, back on people's screens and people actually care, you hear WF football you think of Sam Kerr, which is amazing so not taking any credit from her on that but also with the fact that a lot of these players do come from from the States or wherever they're playing and they don't have that much time together so is that also a factor that they you know, now they're off to play over there, and then they'll come back a couple, you know, a couple months before the season starts, and they have to rebuild again? Um, was there something in the coaching staff that didn't click? Is it the fact that, that their training grounds kept flopping and changing? I know last year I saw the girls training behind B Park just because they had to train there. They didn't have a training pitch because one of it, it was being used or something. So. You know, all of that comes into play as well of how successful you're going to be throughout the season. But in a couple of games that I did watch from home, they were outplayed. And it was quite surprising considering, you know, the likes of Rachel Hill and Sam Kerr out there. Um, it was very surprising with the results that came their way. Yeah, I think without, without Hill and Kerr, they, they will obviously would have done a lot worse. Um, and, and maybe that's part of the problem is that there's... There was a focus on bringing in two or three quality players, whereas the squad needs a bit more, a bit more quality throughout. 
You know, obviously you're not you you want the Sam Kerr on the team, but the supporting cast has to be up to scratch as well if you're going to win more games than you lose. Um, I mean, Brisbane Roar took out the regular season with 28 points from 12 games. Glory only managed half that in terms of the points total with 14. So it's it is it is underwhelming, and and maybe that's uh, it, again it can be hard to attract players to Perth at times, and we all understand that, but. Yeah, the, the the Glory women have done well in recent years. This just seemed like a massive backward step overall the season. So hopefully they can get on track uh, next year. Um, okay, into the, the A-League itself, the men's competition. Sydney FC continued to steamroll all in front of them. They were very, very convincing 4-0 winners away to Melbourne City at Amy Park on Saturday night. Lane it's it's just class the the way they can dispose of teams Arnold has been Graham Arnold has been criticised in the past for his brand of football and got a bit of a dad's army in terms of there's a lot of older players in it but when they get rolling no team can keep up with them and, 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 hold, and hold them back it's now 15 wins from 20 games 4 draws and a defeat it's very very good going yeah no they've been they've been phenomenal uh, throughout this season um and I also understand they've, they've spent uh, probably double, uh, almost double what many of the other clubs have actually spent. So they're definitely getting their money's worth. Um, but, I mean, uh, that's, what, that's what football's all about, is, is getting, your, getting your best 11 on the park and, and doing your best that you can to dispose of teams. And they've just done it, you know, it's the second season in a row now that they've done it. Um, Newcastle gave him a bit of a run for a while there, but I, I think it's pretty much done and dusted now in terms of Sydney winning the league. Um, yeah, no, it was interesting. Um, it, it's interesting to see what Arnold has done with the side. Actually, I, I'm not. A, I'll be open with everyone. I'm not a huge fan of Arnold um, in any way, shape, or form. But what he's done around that side has been has been fantastic for Sydney FC. Uh, the disappointing part is, uh, you know, if Sydney FC wins and no one's there to see it. Did it really happen? Yeah, there is there is that, all right. There is that. Um, the, the it's been a problem across the league as a whole, though. The the figures are down. There's a few stats going around during the week, and TV viewing is down. And it's I, I, look. I think my general interest in the league this season has dropped off massively as well. I'm just a little bit bored of the whole thing. I still, if there's a game on, I will absolutely watch it, like I did with the Sydney FC and Melbourne game. But I do find my, myself not going out of my way to make sure I catch the A League um, this season. It's a case of uh, I don't, I just don't bother. Um, I w- obviously, I'll watch all the Glory games if if it's po- if it's on and it's possible, um, and I'll watch the, the the games that I'm around the house for. I'll have it on in the background while I'm doing my housework, which is what I did yesterday. Very productive Saturday for me. Um, but I just can't see myself going. Oh shit! I need to get home from work on time to make sure I sit down and watch Thursday night football. I really just don't care that much this season. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Have you got any similar apathy, or are you still still buzzing about it? No, I'm in the exact same boat. I mean, I'll come home and I'll put it on, and you know, if I catch the second half, I catch the second half. Uh, whereas, you know, in the last, uh, you know, I had the same feeling last season. I was the exact same. I don't know what it is. Anybody I know. I know what it is, Donna. I, I know what it is. It's it's victory. Victory are really shit this year. This year, yeah, we, we really are. It's not coincidence. <laughs> Last year we weren't though, but um, I, I'm in the exact same boat. Just side, like I watch every victory game. I won't miss a game. But 
with other games. I used to love coming home and just putting on the A-League and knowing it's going to be on, you know, at 4.50 on a Friday, finish work, work early and come home and, and watch the game or watch a, you know, Saturday afternoon game. But I don't know whether it's the quality has gone down or the fact that even on TV you're watching and the atmosphere, like, we used to be able to hear it from your homes. Watching it on TV, you used to be able to hear that crowd. You used to be able to hear the Cove, the, the North End, the Shed. You used to be able to hear all of that and you said you just feel it. But now it's kind of just all mellowed out and I think that's affected the brand of football as well and just you know when you can hear the players talking to each other and you're watching it then you know that there's no atmosphere like that's it's just dull so you know it comes down to a lot of things Blaine what's your take on from an active support perspective this year uh, there's you know the the rivalries and that seem to have subsided a little bit unless somebody does something silly and it all kicks off online just doesn't seem to be the same passion there and I've, I've seen comments from um, some glory supporters who say yeah I'm happy and I'm real active in the in a glory perspective and I still want to see those games and see us win but when it comes to the league as a whole again they just don't really care as much and if we don't have the active supporters leading the charge what have we got? Yeah no you're 100% right um, I think it's been a bit of an odd season because I mean Sydney FC at the top end have started to skip away with it so I mean, in terms of in terms of finishing into the finals, it's just going to be a race for second, third, fourth, and fifth and sixth and that kind of thing. But I guess I mean, what 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 what's happened? For, I think for a lot of people, is it, it's just got a bit a bit dire and a bit dull. Um, you know, Sydney FC is going to win the top. That's a given. So I mean, at least in other leagues around the world, you can say, all right, let's have a bit of a look at the relegation battle, or you know, this that. Let's have a look who's going to make the Champions League, this that and everything. There doesn't seem to be well. There's definitely not a, any uh, focus on that on the um, on the relegation battle, but there doesn't even seem to be any focus on who's trying to make uh, Champions League spots um, or anything like that. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit funny, and I think I think football fans in Australia uh, can be a lot more um, involved and informed than, than what they are, um, and I think it's. How do, how do people? How do we go about getting people a lot more informed and everything um, and involved than what they are? Is a is a it's a bit of a question uh, to be answered. But um, yeah, I'm not really I'm not really sure what it is as a whole. But there might be a couple of little factors in that. Uh, relegate teams, add more teams. I don't know, just spice it up. Stop teams playing each other three times a season and potentially again in the FFA Cup and finals. Yeah, you can play a team five times in a season. That's 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 proper overkill. You know, it's 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 bordering on rubbish. So, I I yeah, I just I'm just itching for them to freshen things up a bit. Um, because going into the like if, the thoughts of having a four and a half to five month off season only to come back and see the same teams again, lining up to play each other the same three times again. I don't know. It, it, I'm just a little bit over it. Um, and and the, the long off season doesn't help. We say it every year. It's it's a killer. Any little bit of momentum you have dies. And I know there's other codes and, and whatnot. And we have to bet there to them. But yeah, it's yeah, it's all gone. It's all very very stale. And that seems the impression I get from not just people I see online, but people I talk to as well. Um, it seems to be a, a general feeling of just apathy towards the whole thing. And you've got Sydney FC as as you mentioned, Blaine running away with it they're 24 points clear of the Wanderers in 6th but in theory due to the final system the Wanderers could still win the main prize that to me just yeah it doesn't sit right but 
that's the competition we we're in and the and the, the hand we're dealt so we we just have to get on with it um just over the past few weeks is there is there anything you have actually enjoyed any positives that you could take out from teams you've enjoyed watching or anything like that um don well you'll obviously be staying away from uh, melbourne victory um and the muscat out yes. movement but is there anything that's been positive oh. that you've enjoyed seeing happening yeah, I've loved watching the Jets play, and I know that I don't know if that's just me or many people, but I'm just really enjoying their brand of football, and I love Andy Merrick as a coach. Um, he didn't do much back in Welly, but when he had us, he, you know, first season we were absolute dire, and then second season we, you know, ran away with the competition and won it. And I think he's a great coach, and I think it transpires onto the team and the players, and I'm just really enjoying watching them. But other than that. You know, as I said, out of Sydney and the Jets, really, it is anyone anyone can make finals at the moment. And I'm very um, very disappointed with my squad at the moment with the brand of football. They, they seem to play for a good 45 minutes every week. They just can't play a full 90. No, they've... Uh, uh, no, the- <laughs> A few, the few, the stars are looking, uh, look like they, they could be reaching the end of their, their ten, their cycle uh, at victory. So they might have to change things up a little bit. Uh, Blame what about yourself? Anything that's, that's been good that you've taken? Yeah, to? Newcastle Jets have been, uh, they've been great this season. No, just going back on there, I think uh, Laura McKenna um, up there as, uh, as CEO has, uh, has done absolute wonders. Um, and you, you see it, I've started to actually follow quite a, a couple of Newcastle-based uh, pages just, just to see the goings-on and this and that. And some of the initiatives they have, they've been coming out with and um, all backed and, uh, and um, coming through, Laura McKenna, is, is phenomenal. And they seem to have got their active fans uh, back on board and, and starting to get a lot more uh, backsides on seats. Uh, a win, winning team helps, but a, a great culture around the club is uh, equally as important, in my opinion. Yeah, I think for me, um, I'm still enjoying watching the way Sydney can just steamroll teams without batting an eyelid. You know, there was watching Fox yesterday. I think the panelists all tipped Melbourne City to win, and Sydney just basically gave them two fingers and said, "Yeah, sorry, lads, way off," and and ended up running out four nil winners. It was ruthless stuff at times. Now, don't get me wrong, they do get away with murder in terms of some of the tackles they put in and and the. The lack of yellow and red cards that they're 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 copping for it, but they're they're way and above the best team in the uh, in the competition, and it's it's the benchmark that's been set. They've got a great side, and you know I think we we should whether you like Graham Arnold or not, it's you've got to praise what he's been able to back up from last year. You know you you can have a situation where a team wins a title and then they they drop off the next year and it, they go through then the next cycle. But he's sustained it for a second season, and yeah, well, we don't we we all assume that he's going to be with the Socceroos at some point. But until then, um, he's doing great stuff. So that's that. Uh, just coming up, we Donny, you want to mention a potential interview we've got in the pipeline? You want to give our listeners a head up? Yeah, absolutely. Nabuisa uh, Marinkovic, a Perth Glory fan favourite, has contacted me and he would love to uh, get on the pod and have an interview with us. He's got a bit to say to the fans about his exit and he's in Malaysia now. Originally he was back in Serbia so it was a bit hard to uh, interview him with the time zones but now that he's a little bit closer to Perth um, he'd love to have a chat with us. He still follows the league religiously. If you look at his pages and whatnot he's still got his little Perth glory shirt on and whatnot and all his profile pictures. So any questions 
at all that you want to shoot over to us, send us a message or post it on our wall. Cool. Yes, that, that was all. If you, we'll give we'll give people uh, a bit of time to put some questions to us to to ask Nebo and um, and see what happens. So I see what comes out of that. That'll be promised to be a very very interesting one. Um, just to wrap up the the podcast, it's it's a really solemn note, unfortunately, and it's the really really tragic passing of Lee Miller uh, this week. The Former Manchester United, Celtic, Sunderland, Leeds, Hibs, Brisbane Roar, Melbourne City, Perk Glory, man. He went through the clubs, Cork City to finish off back at home. 36 years of age to pass away to pancreatic cancer, having only been diagnosed in November is unbelievably tragic. Uh, I know that in Liam's two years in Perth, he he's a man of few words if you put a microphone in front of him, as, as I found out on a couple of occasions. But once you got him on a, a chilled informal level he was all chat and, and just a really really genuinely nice guy who who seemed to touch a lot of people around the club and around the football um, community with with his off-field presence and, and what a player on it for Gloria I personally think he was underrated at the time and people now look back even before his passing and say yeah okay we we probably didn't give him the credit he deserved in that run to the 2012 grand final uh, a player who, who, it's probably fair to say, didn't achieve overall in his career what what was promised as a youngster. He was the next Roy Keane. He was heralded at times coming out of Ireland, and for a while it looked like it was headed that way at Celtic and then on to Manchester United. But he still had a, a bloody fine career, and I I know Blaine as uh, the supporters look back at him as as a guy who added a lot to glory in his two years here and I, I, I think there was a lot of disappointment when he went to Brisbane uh, at the end of his contract yeah absolutely there was a lot of disappointment that he went there only obviously Liam being the one involved in that tackle um, quote unquote um, but no phenomenal player um, as I think you're correct in saying he never quite hit the hit the heights that he was that was promised um, unfortunately obviously um a Celtic and then getting loaned out, ending up at uh, Manchester United, uh, later Leeds and Hibs. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I I never knew the bloke personally, and I always thought he was one to uh, to be a little bit quiet and just get on with things um, in his demeanour and everything like that. But he was a, he was a phenomenal player, and um, yeah, I'm sure he'll be uh, sorely missed um, around around the various football traps. Yeah, he was coaching in the the US for a period as well. He, he played a little bit of football over there in the in the lower tiers, and then was was into the coaching. And his family were over there, and you can see just the outpouring from former Glory teammates like Michael Twait, Danny Vukovic, Jacob Burns, guys that that played with Liam, Steve McGarry as well, saying he was a great guy, great player. And then you know, they, it's it's unbelievable that at at 36 years of age. We're all not too far off that in and around that age bracket, and you know it's hard to imagine what is the loss for his family and for his close friends, and you know great sympathies. Um, Donna, any anything to add on on that? Yeah, we just you know obviously for his kids and his and his wife. I got to meet Liam a couple of times, and as you said, he's a man of few words. He's, but he is a lovely guy, and so is his wife and his beautiful children. So you know, being a mother. Um, you obviously you can't live without your your other half and your children and I'm sure that they're grieving at this time but you know the whole football community you know Perth, Melbourne, Brisbane, everywhere we're all behind them so 
hopefully they get over this sad loss and just remember that you know Liam obviously touched everyone in a very good way, whether it was with his football skills or just he was just a really nice person. So every time he spoke to him, he just came from a very good place. So um, unfortunately, he will be missed, but um, he'll never be forgotten over here. Now for sure, and, ho- and hopefully there's some sort of tribute lined up for the next Glory home game, which is um, in a couple of weeks' time. It's against Melbourne City at NRB Stadium, and I'm sure the Glory faithful will so- show some sort of appreciation for the the two years that Liam spent here and you know the, that run to the grand final. Um, a truly fantastic player and, and a massive loss to to the game, um, especially now that he was going into coaching and was looking to pass it. On everything his experiences to the next generation. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just a shame. But a uh, condolences to his family, to his friends, and and hopefully they 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 have the support to get through something so difficult. Uh, but on that on that really sad note, um, we'll wrap up for this week. Um, Blaine and Donna, thanks for having a chat. It was it was good to catch up again after so long. No worries. I think we should congratulate Shane Smelt. Sorry. Yes, Fine, yes. I, I forgot a, that. That was today. Yeah, Shane Smells retired. Up the boots. Um, what a splendid career he's had. One of the best strikers to to grace the league. And every time he played against uh, the victory, he scored against us. So um, I'm kind of happy he's hung up the boots now. But what a tremendous career he's had. I'm yeah. sure you two would agree. No, he scored plenty of goals in his time of glory as well. Was it the game against Melbourne Hart at NIB that he scored four, Blaine? Correct me if I'm wrong. I guess was it? it was victory. Victory. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> sure. well, one or the other, but oh, a victory. Against us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was something like 28, 28 games, twenty-eight goals in fifty-eight appearances. So he had a hell of a strike rate um, for the glory. And I, I wrote a bit of a thing on the far post today, and I think the bravest thing that we ever saw from Shane was when he got his face split open by Matt Smith in that two thousand and twelve final. Um, and that, that was what happened in about the 15th minute and he played until about 80 minutes and uh, later it was found out that he uh, ended up in hospital with uh, getting treated with plastic surgery and about 50 odd stitches so jeez uh, it's, uh, it's a hell of a hell of an accomplishment to, to keep playing through that um, and you never know possibly might have had a different outcome on the day if he was uh, fully fit yeah that's, that's exactly true but he was a great player, and yeah, another one that was that will be strongly remembered for his his accomplishments in the A League. One of the highest goal scorers we've seen in the competition, and his record speaks for itself. It was fantastic for New Zealand, and played in a World Cup. You know, it's not a bad not a bad, uh, not a bad career he, he carved out for himself. So yeah, all the best to him in his retirement. All right, guys, we'll head off. We'll uh, we'll chat in the coming weeks. Um, got glory next week, as we mentioned, the way to Wellington before the. Home game against Melbourne City. You guys will be there with the cameras for that one, I assume. And uh, we'll get some fan reactions. And hopefully there's a couple of positive results um, to speak about. So until then, thanks to everybody for having a listen and for interacting with us on our various social media channels. We appreciate that. And it's great to hear the varying opinions. And even if you don't agree with us, we'll still let them slide. But uh, yeah, keep, keep doing that. And, uh, and we'll talk to you again in a few weeks' time. So thanks very much.